Report in. Red 10 standing by. Red 9 standing by. Red 3 standing by. Red 6 standing by. Red 9 standing by. You're listening to the Ion Cannon Podcast. Laugh it up, fuzzball. Your source for entertainment reviews from a galaxy far, far away. This is it. He laser clickers. Welcome to the Iron Cannon Podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Stephen, and I'm joined by my friends and co-hosts, Tom and William. Well, what can I say? We are on the fifth episode of The Bad Batch. Uh, our reviews are going really well. You might say we're on a rampage. Um, now, before we get started, William, I think we got a message um, from a concerned citizen. Do you want to kind of walk through and tell us what's going on here? Yeah, uh, a, li- a listener actually wrote in uh, with some feedback for us, so we wanted to share that on the podcast and, and address this very important concern. Um, the, the message reads, uh, uh, this is from the Society for Protection of Ad- and Advancement of Womp Rats, or uh, uh, SPOAR, uh, Suite 673, the NWAR Building, Level 25206, Bukkatan District in- on Coruscant. Gentle beings, I am Kodo Daival, chairman of the Society for the Protection and Advancement of Womp Rats, or S-P-A-W-R. As the name implies, we represent the interests of Womp Rats around the galaxy and seek protection of these noble creatures where they need it and advancement of their cause where they can, or we can't. Your podcast has recently come to our attention, and we were overjoyed to learn the Womp Rat was a mascot of your show. We were shocked and dismayed to learn that you may be advocating for the dismemberment of Womp Rats by cutting them in half. We must insist you stop this practice immediately. We understood your desire to rate different mediums of content and wholeheartedly endorse the use of the Honorable Womp Rat in doing so. But in order to prevent any violence toward these noble creatures, please stick to only whole Womp Rat ratings. My protocol droid has informed me, informed me that I should suggest you, quote, man up, end quote, and make a decision that does not involve a half Womp Rat. But I see the particulars of humanoid idioms often escape me. And I have another suggestion. Perhaps a rating scale of 20 Womp Rats would be in order, or even better, 100 Womp Rats. That would prevent any of these beloved creatures from being half from having to be cut in half. We greatly appreciate your many ideas for the employment of Womp Rats, although checking with several of the larger Womp Rat unions, they have no record of their Womp Rats being registered in your employ. We highly suggest only hiring union Womp Rats to ensure that any work is done to the highest of standards. I would be happy to pass on the contact of the local Womp Rat union rep to your sector. Again, however, we beseech the gentle beings to only use whole and complete Womp Rats. Sincerely, Coda Daval, <coughs> Chairman. Well, thank you so much, uh, uh, Chairman Dival, and we prepared a response that uh, Tom will read. Okay. Um, dear Chairman Duvall, uh we appreciate you contacting us about your concerns of our use of Womp Rats for our rating systems on the podcast. We've always held the Womp Rat in high regards, which is why we've used them as our ratings mascot for over a dozen years now. We feel we have given them a higher profile instead of some kid bragging that he used to quote, bullseye womp rats in his T-16 back back home, end quote. Over the years, our womp rats have helped us take down criminals, piloted battle droids, fed hungry beasts, and in other helpful and sometimes dangerous situations, all in the service of the episode. We are concerned that the increasing number of womp rats that we would use would put more of these gentle beings and majestic rodents in potentially dangerous situations. We have conferred with our legal counsel face plant, the Lothcat, and she ensures us that our womp rats are being treated with the utmost respect and care. And we believe we are taking all necessary safety precautions in accordance with the womp rat union guidelines. 
she is actually fully prepared to meet your Womperat union rep at his earliest convenience to discuss any additional concerns you may have, uh, perhaps over lunch. This way, on a full stomach, a proper agreement can be hashed out with the possibility of some very lively discussion. Now, Stephen, William, and I appreciate you contacting us concerning this important matter. Thank you for listening to the Ion Cannon podcast. Sincerely, Stephen, William, and myself, Tom. So I just want to say fantastic messages. Wow. Fantastic messages both. Uh, I give it 4.5 out of 5. <laughs> oh boy oh boy and with that we're gonna go into the episode uh thank you again uh chairman dival for your your feedback um as tom said. we really appreciated yeah. it that was that was a lot of fun <laughs> tom what are you reviewing today well today we're going to be reviewing bad ba- face plant what did i tell you not yet we haven't arranged your meeting yet lady can you please okay so tonight, we're going to be reviewing Bad Batch, Season 1, Episode 5, Rampage, directed by Stuart Lee and written by Tamara Becker-Wilkinson. In this episode, the Batch strike a deal to take on a mission. Yeah, very uh, a very vague uh, synopsis. But I think this probably will lay the blueprint for much of the rest of the season. Um, you know, kind of... At a high level, they they meet this this new uh, this new character uh, named Sid, who gives them a mission, and it sounds like they'll be taking these types of um, recurring missions going forward, almost fulfilling that promise from before the show launched that they're going to be a mm-hmm. uh, kind of a mercenary group. Now, it, it would almost make sense because what else are they going to do? So, and I, I got to say one thing: Did you not like the person who voiced Sid? It took me a while to realize who it was, but it was it's one of those things when it came to that character, you didn't expect that voice to come out of it. But I got to say, this Rio Perlman knocked it out of the park. And even the animation to the character was outstanding. Yeah, I, Sid was might be one of my new favorite characters, I think, that we've Absolutely. seen so far on the show. Just yeah. very well realized and just a joy to watch, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I think I liked the reveal too. I think it was, it was kind of obvious that, that Sid, the Trandoshan, uh, was going to be, um, uh, the contact, you know, because they, they walk into the, into, to Sid's establishment and then they don't really know where, who Sid is. They just know that Sid is theoretically somewhere in the room mm-hmm. and, you know, Omega, ultimately is the one who figures out that Sid is the one they're talking to uh, kind of like a, you know, an, uh, an old Ben, uh, you know, well, of course I know him. He's me type of thing, except, uh, Omega figures it out. Um, but yeah, I, I think, you know, I, I, I too really liked Sid's character a lot. I thought the voice acting was fantastic, very different than we've seen mm-hmm. on a lot of these shows, which I appreciated kind of felt, uh, refreshing, a little, a little right. different, a little new. Well, especially coming from a Trandoshan, because we have been so used to, uh, you know, Trandoshans before having that hiss behind them. This was basically a normal voice, but it worked in this case. And it had a hint, it had a hint of Trandoshan, I, I felt like, which was nice. So as we learn, Sid, you know, with the with the with the Empire uh, and, and the, you know, now taking over the galaxy, the Jedi um uh, few and far between. She's, a, you know, a Jedi informant. Um, she's now started working odd jobs for various clients. And uh, one of those jobs is from a mysterious uh, employer. We f- later find out who it is. 
but the mysterious employer hires Sid to uh, to acquire a kid named rescue a kid named Moochie from some Zigerian slavers. And of course, if the Bad Batch helps, she'll give him thirty percent of the bounty. And that that basically mm-hmm. sets up this episode, right? Head head over to or old Ord Mantel City, rescue the kid, and you get some money, and then you'll be great. You'll have you know like they're desperately in need of credits, so. Uh, that'll that'll help uh, kind of be a win-win for for everyone and hopefully she'll give them information about who the bounty hunter we know as fennec shand was last mm-hmm. week um what, what did you guys think of like the return of the zigerians i thought it was awesome yeah like they showed up in i think it was originally clone wars right mm-hmm. i don't remember them from rebels yes. but i may be slaves of cadavo the slaves of cadavo arc yeah like i I mean, this is something that they've gotten very good at. Like, I'm always more than happy to see kind of callbacks to previous episodes and things like that. It just kind of makes the universe feel connected without feeling super small. Right. And then on top of that, it actually showed me who they were, because if I remember watching the um, the original uh, commercials for the show, I had a feeling that was Vizago, because I thought when we first saw Vizago, he had kind of a lightning whip like that, because really the action was moving too fast for me being the old guy of the group. To, to realize who Hunter was fighting at that point. Mm. So Rainy, it was right? cool the, to see. The head it was, yeah. yeah. So it's it was kind of cool to see that. I also like the call out to Or you know, going back to Ordmental again. So I I just like how the show is taking the established universe and expanding the story to it and yeah. not trying to create something brand new when stuff has already been established. Just let's just expand the story. Yeah. Especially when it comes to characters. The Zygarians, we know they're slavers. Why come up with another slaver when you've already got these characters created and you know their backstory? Yeah, it, it was cool. Yeah. I don't think we've seen Ord Mantel before uh, either, was, at least in the in the in in on, in TV at least. You know, I right? was trying to remember and could not. I, I think this is the first time we've seen it, uh, Ord Mantel officially before. Right. So instead of you know running into a bounty hunter, Ord Mantel, they go to Ord Mantel to find out who the bounty hunter they ran into was. Makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> Why not? Um. Uh, but uh, but you see, so, you know, they they so they they go to the camp, right? They go to the Zigerian camp, and they quickly spot Moochie uh, sitting down there, accompanied by like a Faline and a human, and they decide it's time to they got to break her out. Uh, so they send Omega back to the ship to wait, and and we should talk about Omega in just a second. Cause I'm actually pretty impressed by her character in this episode. They send her back to the to the to the to the Marauder to to wait. And the rest of the batch immediately run into a Brizak and get all everyone gets captured and they're they're imprisoned and things don't look well for no. for them whatsoever. Um, but Omega, okay. So when as soon as they sent Omega back to the ship, I thought, okay, well she's clearly not going to stay in the ship. <laughs> you know, they, well, whenever they well, say, well, oh, stay in the ship, that never happens. Right. Uh, but. But the best thing about it is, you know, she's not going to stay in the ship, but it also reinforces what at the beginning of the episode when they were walking into the town to try and find Sid, Hunter basically sat there and ran over the rules with her. Whatever happened if you got separated? Number one, figure out, look, I'm going to hopefully I remember this correctly. It's one, figure out your your location and two, contact us immediately. You know, right. and she basically in this case kind of followed the, the rules where it's like once the Zygarians came into the ship. She did hide herself to make sure she was not caught, 
And then two, she got out and she was trying to contact the tr- contact the team, realizing that something was wrong. Then the rescue effort started. Right. And I think I think one of the things I appreciated it was that, you know, she did follow the rules. Uh, they mm-hmm. told her now the comms are down at that point, so they couldn't hear her. But she, she tried right. to follow the rules. When they told her to go to the ship, she did stay in the ship until the ship yep. was invaded by Zygerians and she had to escape on her own. Uh, but she did mm-hmm. actually follow their rules. She didn't leave on her own until like they almost caught her. And that's a pretty valid reason for, for leaving right. the ship. Um, and, and even when they gave her the comm, which was a nice moment to kind of make her feel more as like part of the squad. And after almost getting kidnapped last week, you know, it's probably good. She has a, a comm link um, on her. Uh, you know, and at first she starts playing with it and they, they tell her like, don't play with it. And you know, there's a couple, one or two moments where she kind of plays with it, but then they stop and it doesn't become a, a recurring thing throughout the whole episode, which I was afraid right. it, it would. And it kind of, they, 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 I felt like they did just enough to be kind of funny and then they right. didn't push it anymore and they just dropped it and moved on. And it was, well, I, I was very impressed I, by how they handled Omega's character in all I was ways. so impressed. Yeah. I, because I mean, I've said this in the previous episodes. I've been so worried that they're just they're towing that line with her, where she's just on the cusp of like turning into like the annoying kid. And I've every time they resist the temptation to do that, I was like, "Thank you." Mm-hmm. It makes the like it. I was gonna say, makes the episode. It it prevents the episode from being unmade. If that makes sense yeah, for yeah. me. Well, it it makes sense. And the other thing that I appreciated was. You could still see she was a kid because when she was waiting for the for uh, the Bad Batch to come back and she's in the Marauder, she took her trooper doll and basically darkened up to make it look like one of the Bad Batch mm-hmm. because that still had that little kid in her. And I also kind of did appreciate when she knew the Zygarians were com- heard them coming, she was kind of like running around like a little kid trying to hide, hide, hide. But it was funny when she said to the gonk droid, hide. And you see that the gonk droid kind of do the same thing. Then all of a sudden yeah. realize, oh, Pulling my feet, boom! Just, just there. I'm at. I'm hiding, hiding in plain sight. Yeah, I, I just love everything they did with her character. Just she felt her age, but not, yes. uh, not annoying. Not like doing the same thing a bunch of times after they told her not to. Like she, she followed the or she followed orders every step of the way. She, you know, she had a little fun at the beginning with her comedy, but then she stopped and she mm. was serious with it about it and. You know, I just I, I thought they did they handled her character uh, very well while also making her still feel, um, you know, her age. And, and honestly, right. like if anything, I think the only complaint in that whole the whole moment I had was that the Zygerians didn't post a guard at the ship, which is pretty dumb. Like they, they should have you know no, left someone there. Um, yeah. But you know, at that point, like they were they were gone. Um, there was one thing that took me out of the episode a little bit, which is, I'd maybe. Well, I, I'm curious for your opinion. How did they not find Gonky? His hiding spot was terrible, <laughs> just terrible. Well, but yeah, okay, but he ne- didn't activate himself, and he just uh, okay. Think it's Tigarians. They're looking for people that they can, you know, sell in slavery. They're not looking for a droid. These uh, guys have no fair, idea what fair. a Gonk droid looks like. So if he just basically sits there, pulls in his feet, and just basically anchors himself to the deck, he's just another piece of machinery within the ship. You look okay, at it from you know that what? point of view. Okay, I, I I stand corrected, Tom. You yeah. you've convinced me. Gonky Gonky did nothing wrong. And you know what? Yeah. I I don't even if the Zygerians found Gonky. I don't think they really. I don't think they're really looking yeah. for him. You know. 
Yeah, and, and what would they have done with it Donkey anyway? is a treasure. Oh, he Donkey? is. He Donkey? is. The Nigerians well, just don't appreciate Gonki's value, though. They, they, exactly. they don't. They don't appreciate a piece of exercise equipment. You know that yeah. Wrecker can sit there and lift over his head with one hand. Now, speaking of Wrecker, okay, what do you think is going on with him? Because he keeps holding his head like he's in pain, and I like how they're doing that. that it's subtle. It's not really. That's I don't know if it's that subtle. Face. But it's been in multiple well, episodes. Okay. It's it, in multiple yeah. episodes, but but I, I, I mean, I'm meaning it from this point of view. Okay. They only touch on it, but like I think, Stephen, you brought up when it comes to how they play Omega, they only touch on a few things and kind of continue, and they could push it. Yes, it's been in a couple episodes, but it's not a running thing throughout each episode. It's like he's always holding his head. He's always complaining about the pain. It's really quick and goes away. No, you're, that's fair. Yeah. And actually, it's it's funny. I the have first time it happened was... Uh, the what, what, sorry, I can't remember. I believe it was on. I don't even remember the name of the episode when they were uh, fought the like wolf thing. Mm. Um, and I actually thought Record was faking it to allow Omega to go with Hunter. Okay. So I was. Uh, I thought she, he was doing it intentionally so that it would be part of like how you know Omega can feel useful. Right. I don't think so anymore, and now I'm not sure. I I've got it theory i get this feeling that it's the inhibitor chip that might might slowly be either activating or or there's something about the inhibitor chip in that because i had that there has to be because remember tech a while back in, in one of the episodes touched on making that that contraption to put on their heads to try and find the inhibitor chip mm-hmm Right. Something's got to push that story forward. Yeah. And I think this may be the catalyst to go back to that storyline. So, okay, yeah. I think you're probably right. It's probably the inhibitor chip. Because there was that moment, uh, I think it was in the, when they they crashed on the moon, um, the Wrecker did hit his head. Uh, Right. However... Maybe that complicated something with the inhibitor chip, or maybe it has nothing to do with him hitting his head. Um, I, I wonder if maybe he'll start to experience some of the same uh, issues like Crosshair is is dealing with. I mean, maybe he'll maybe he'll start to to succumb to Order sixty six a bit more the mm-hmm. next time he sees a Jedi because he hasn't seen a Jedi since since the headache started. Or and, I don't know, and maybe they'll have to like, kind of rescue both. Well, um, but here's. Here's the other thing that you can throw out there as a theory that if Omega is everybody theorizing part force sensitive, maybe at some point there's something with the inhibitor chip. It doesn't have to be a Jedi, but it's force sensitivity. Hmm. That somehow, some way, the way the clones are bred, that if they're any around any kind of force sensitive, then that would technically be the trigger for order 66 interesting and okay okay playing playing with your theory a little bit more okay he's of all of the clones i feel like wrecker has kind of become uh whereas like hunter is is omega's dad you right. know i feel like wrecker is like her big brother and in many ways it's like from star wars rebels yeah had, uh, he's yeah. kind of like the zeb of the group and yep. He he's the one who made her a bed and a whole bedroom. He's the one who like mm. tries to take care of her when they're landing and make, make sure she's not, 
scared. And for all of his, you know, um, uh, lack of uh, awareness at times of uh, social uh, norms and things and, and, um, and kind of, he kind of bumbles around a little bit. He's got a big heart and he kind of tries to take care of her. And I wonder if, yeah, it'll cause her to him to maybe turn on her in some way unintentionally. Right. It, I do find it fascinating because I, I'm starting to suspect you're right. And the end result of this is that it will drive them. Like I expected Crosshair would come back in the story because Crosshair chases them, but they've kind of effectively disappeared is kind of how it seems. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so maybe it's not that uh, Crosshair will come to them, but that they will go to Crosshair. Or and record. this is the, this is <laughs> yeah. For record effectively. Uh-huh. This is what forces them back to Camino to find help uh, or whatever it might be. Um, it kind of brings mm-hmm. them out of hiding. And that can explain why they're doing more um, like these episodes here. They're, they're enjoyable. Don't get me wrong, but they do feel a bit like the middle of season one of the Mandalorian, right? Where right. the Mandalorian kicked off. We had this awesome start and then it, it was still good, but it was kind of, you know, meandering a bit, very self-contained plots. Um, there wasn't a lot of development of other things happening, um, yeah. you know, with the exception of, uh, you know, a couple weeks ago, and replacements where we got to learn more about the empire um uh, cut and run and cornered and rampage or these three of the of these episodes since the finale uh have really been like they they've been more about like the bad batch just trying to survive but you haven't really learned all that much new about the state of the galaxy uh, you know um as as much and it's not really pl- pushing the the larger plot forward and that's okay uh, but it feels a bit more like season one of the middle of season one of the Mandalorian. And I wonder if um, I, I wonder if this explains that they're trying to establish those relationships between the characters and get you to care about the characters before Wrecker does this. Right. And kind of brings back, you know, brings Crosshair back into the into the storyline as well. That's that's true. I could definitely see it. Yeah. Just a theory. Just a theory. I know. It's so fun to theorize about all this stuff. Yeah, it is. It is. Um, but you know, so so Omega, she does she 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 tries to sneak into the camp because she when she finds out that the rest of the batch has been uh, captured, she sneaks into the camp and you know, almost alerts them. Thankfully Wrecker, you know, uh, tries to cause a distraction. Um and and then she she finds a adolescent rancor uh, in this cage that she starts to free just before she herself is captured. Of course, the rancor gets out, and you have this this giant fight in ensues. Um, the the thing that surprised me though, and I want to I wanted to see I want to know if you guys were um, uh, if you were expecting this. The girl, the young girl, is not Moochie. The mm. rancor was Moochie in a twist that completely caught me by surprise. Were you, were you guys expecting it? I mean, was I expecting it? No. Should I have been? Probably. <laughs> yeah. uh, See, I, I, I'm going to go this way. I completely fell for it, but I really hate to say this. As soon as Omega was on the ground and you knew that she basically unlocked the thing, that's when I got a feeling as soon as the Rancor came out, that was Moochie. Because look at it from the point of view of 
why would Sid send them on a rescue mission that would have been, quote unquote, that easy if basically everybody else who's gone didn't succeed? If she sent, sent somebody else. So, yeah, I think that to me, once it opened up and I figured that was Moochie. I thought it was a great twist. I, I, I thought it was perfect. It. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, was not expecting to be to be a young Rancor, and mm-hmm. it, it kind of sets up this really neat dynamic too, where the Rancor is like running around in this on this rampage, uh, you know, as uh, as the the title of the episode implies, and they basically have to not only fight the Zygerians and, and, and try to escape, but also try to uh, safely recapture Muchi as well. Okay, now safely capture. If I remember correctly, it was Tech basically sitting there telling Wrecker how you capture a rat Rancor. That wasn't safely. That was a beat down. <laughs> well, they were kind of evenly matched, you know, Wrecker well, and, and Muchi. Yeah. And, and were this, they evenly matched? I, I, I mean, we are talking about a Rancor here, right? A baby a Rancor. A baby Rancor. Yeah, baby Rancor. That, yeah, you could probably say because it's a baby Rancor, they could have been evenly matched. But. I mean, we see at the end, like it was, and this is the one part I thought it was a little bit cheesy, but like, you know, uh, Wrecker and, and, um, and Moochie are kind of going at it at first. They're like throwing each other all over. And then we kind of fast forward to a few minutes later and they're both like exhaustedly throwing kind of punches and then they just kind of collapse on top of each other. And it really, there's not even like Wrecker wins, I guess, but barely, it was a little cheesy, but it was kind of fun. Okay, now wait a minute. I'm I'm gonna take the op. I don't think it was cheesy. I thought it was fun. I thought just I, I I'm trying to think of right now. They they played off of a different movie, almost like Rocky. Toward the end of one of the Rocky episodes, I think it was he and Apollo Creed are just sitting there, just like bam, bam. It didn't go cheesy with me. Okay. <laughs> It, it was very cheesy, but I'd say it was just on the side of the line where you want it to be, where it's like, this right. is, this is kind of silly, but I, I am okay with it for the comedic effect. Cause they didn't push it over the edge. Like, like you've said, Steven, they're very good at, at going to a certain point and not crossing that line. And yes. Yep. 100%. I think it, yeah. And I think in this case, I agree. If it stepped two more lines over to where, let's say Wrecker put his hands up and said, Oh my God, I won. But how we sat there and kind of like, I think at the end, didn't it kind of soothe uh, Moochie? Yeah. Yeah. I believe so. Yeah. And I think in that case, you're like, you know what? I could buy it because it's Wrecker. I could totally buy it. And I didn't find it cheesy at all. Yeah. So question, how the heck did they get Moochie back to, uh, uh, back to Sid in the, in, in the it, Marauder. <laughs> the, it appeared to be a ride, is how I saw it. Like they were I, riding him into town. Is that, I think what happened? Yeah, well, definitely Omega was riding uh, riding Moochie. But don't ask me it, how that works. I I don't know, but yeah. But I think an interesting thing we're we're kind of kind of glossing over here when it comes to Moochie. This the conversation Sid was having about. I've got my best guys on it. And she's talking to this holographic figure like, okay, who is this holographic figure that she's talking to? It's like telling him, look, don't worry about it. My best team is on it. It'll be here. Don't worry about it. And then later, once the battle is over, it goes back. And Sid does not know that the battle is over yet. But when you cut back to Sid's office, who comes walking into her her establishment? 
Bib Fortuna and two Gamorrean guards. <laughs> now, was I, I that a twist for you guys or not? The moment Bib Fortuna showed up, I like I was pretty sure it was Jabba. But, sorry, the, oh. the, the hologram initially the, or, or sorry, when he walks into the room? Particularly during the hologram is what I mean. Oh, you figured like, out the hologram. I, who else could it like you don't show a mysterious figure and have it not be dear old friend bib <laughs> you know i i missed i'm again i'm the older guy of the group it totally slipped my mind that could have been bib fortuna with during, in, in the hologram with matthew wood reprising his role as bib fortuna which i appreciated um very, very cool fantastic yeah i i know i for a brief second i thought well maybe may, maybe sid is actually working for uh, I don't know. I should have gone to Bib Fortuna and and Jabba. I didn't initially. I thought, well, maybe Sid is actually working against them, uh-huh. and Sid's trying to double cross them in some way. Um, but then you know, yeah. As soon as as soon as Bib Fortuna walks into the room, I was like, oh, of course, it's yeah. You know, it's Bib Fortuna. It's Jabba. Does that mean Moochie is the Rancor we see in Return of the Jedi? Okay, so so that is a thing out there. Can we put it to? bed that that's the rancor or was it a different rancor that we saw in return of the Jedi? so i want to hear your guys thoughts first i did some research but i don't think it conclusively answers so i want to hear both of your theories first is it java's rancor i think the answer is yes because this is star wars and star wars loves to give background (laughs) to things that don't necessarily need background and also this is a case i thought it was done very well i enjoyed it um and it was not what I was expecting by any stretch of the imagination. But I just assumed that it is Jabba's Rancor, and that was why I was being yeah. shown. Tom, I'm, 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 uh, I'm going to sit the fence on this one. I don't know because um, what, what the, I guess in the the book Aftermath Life Debt, they identified the Rancor as Patiza, which I guess means friend. He- and that's the one that's supposedly from Return of the Jedi, not not this one. Yeah, so so, so I did it's, some. It's a it's it's a it's a it's a fifty fifty on me. I agree with you, Stephen. Though the way this show has been going, and it's one of those things to where if you call attention to it, you got to use it. Well, in this case, they called attention to the Rancor being Moochie, then technically, and it's Bib Fortuna, and then it's Job of the Hut, and then it could go to Return of the. Jedi, and that's a possibility. Yeah, so so I did some research, and as, as you said, Tom, in in aftermath life debt, um, there is a there's a one of the interludes with uh, Jabba's Rancor keeper, uh, where he identifies the Rancor that Luke fights in Return of the Jedi as Patissa. Also, I think there was a, I think it was a Star Wars encyclopedia. Uh, a Star Wars encyclopedia uh, mentioned that Jabba acquired his rancor sometime on or before 32 years before the Battle of Yavin, which would be um, more around the time of the Phantom Menace. Um, mm-hmm. That being said, uh, I think this is one of those things that they could easily, easily say, who cares about this th- random throwaway comment in a book? we're going to now show the origin story of Jabba's Rancor or Jabba has multiple Rancors. That's another, that's another option, but I don't know. I, I do think that this is, this is intended to be the Rancor despite mm-hmm. the throwaway reference in, in life debt. Cause I, it just seems a little, 
it, it's too perfectly timed, right? You've got a yeah, yeah. you've got a rancor yep. that's an adolescent rancor. Twenty two years before we you know see the fight in Jabba's palace, so there's that's plenty of time for the rancor to grow up and be very big and mm-hmm. very hungry. Uh, uh, yeah, I, I think it's got to be Jabba's rancor. That's that's my on, that's my theory. And adding on the like cuteness factor to it helps yep. sell the yep. trainer's reaction. I yeah, I don't. What's honestly, his name? I, Malakili, I think something like that. Yeah. Oh god, I don't know. <laughs> and and honestly, um, uh, that book that, that that I mentioned, I can't remember a thing out of it. So yeah, I'm gonna go with this one. It was Moochie from Return of the Jedi. Yeah, and you know, and 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 also like the Rancor Keeper, Bib Fortuna is thrilled to see Moochie safe and sound. Um, mm-hmm. So you know, the the reaction is similar as well. So I do think it's intended to be Moochie, and that they're just gonna say, yeah, who cares about that that throw? Yeah, it's a throw. It's a re- it's a throwaway reference in the in a in an interlude in a b- very different book, and a reference in a in you know uh, an encyclopedia basically. Um, right, like those are such easy things to change. Um, yeah. Star Wars, they, the shows have changed much bigger things. To say the least. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Um, you know what I appreciated though, after uh, Bib Fortuna got Moochie back and when Sid sat there and basically paid, got paid. I love how she sat there, went to Hunter and called him dark and broody. Yeah. I, I was like, I, I it's true though. But that also really gives such a great background to this character. Yeah, and I think we're gonna see a lot more of Sid. I do. Like she, she gives him their cut, so. and she tells him like she can't doesn't know who's hire who's hired her. Uh, just that it's you know a direct commission according to her her guild sources, which tells me we were right. I think it's it is the Kaminoans. Um, yep. But she does yeah. confirm for the first time. Yep, that bounty hunter is Fennec Shand. She's young and uh, kind of new on the scene. Um, but I think she's going to play a big role. And Steven, I love your theory from last week that she's going to run into Boba Fett and that's, we're going to see their origin story in advance of uh, season one of the book of Boba Fett featuring Boba Fett and Fennec Shand this fall. Yeah. I, yeah, I Eric, suspect. Go ahead. I think we're going to see a couple of episodes that are, I'm going to call it the bounty hunter part mm-hmm. of the, the season. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and then perhaps, you know, Wrecker's headaches have gotten bad enough that it'll pull us back into the, to the rest of it. Yeah. Uh, I think yeah. it's going to work. I think yep. so. Also, oh, the one th- thing, what, yeah. One thing I did appreciate, I love Sid where she sat there and basically looked at Hunter just like, you know what? I'm good with secrets. So I, I get this feeling that, she's trustworthy and she's going to be as trustworthy with them as she can be. I'm hoping that's going to be the case. I don't think she's going to turn on the bad batch because really she's kind of got herself some mercenaries now. And, you know, she does realize that these guys are valuable to her. So it's good to keep secrets every once in a while. The way she said that was kind of ominous. So yeah. 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 But, but anything, anybody in that position, you would probably want to throw something like that at somebody who basically is on the run. That could be a mercenary to kind of keep them in line. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Also one more thing about, um, I totally forgot about until just, just a minute ago. Um, 
you know, we see Bib Fortuna in the book of Boba Fett, uh, or in the man at the end of the Mandalorian, the book of Boba Fett teaser. And so maybe, you know, this is like the first time she meet, you know, uh, this might be how Fennec Shand ultimately gets involved with, uh, uh, Bib Fortuna as well, Mm -hmm. potentially who knows, but there's definitely a lot of, there's a lot of very, um, there's a lot of crossover going on that I, I think is, isn't a coincidence. Mm-hmm. The other thing I really appreciated from this, because we saw it from the commercials for the run up to the show, we finally see that Omega, what I thought was a Night Sister bow, because of how it was kind of comparison with the Night Sisters with the energy beams and the energy arrows, we find out, and this is where she picks up the crossbow that the slave traders used. I get a feeling we will definitely use this. She will be using it going forward because realize she's now part of a, let's say, mercenary group. Everybody else has weapons. She's going to have something to defend herself as well. And this, yeah. this to me, makes sense. She's picking up kit from every episode. Yep. She's got a comm link. I, I, it'll be crazy if she gets armor, but I wouldn't be surprised if she, she gets some kind of arm, not so much a helmet, but some kind of pieces like maybe, you know, in the, the wrists or something. But, you know, I could see going forward little pieces. You know, sorry, speaking of helmets, another neat detail from this episode is we finally got to see how Echo's helmet fits around his uh, yes visor. You can see there's a little bit of a um, the bottom half of it can pop out to make room for it to kind of slide over his head, which is just just a lovely little detail that I'm really glad they fit in there. Yep. So many cool little, little details, and yeah, I'm excited to see how, how uh, Omega ends up using her new crossbow, as well. Um, yeah, I, I think, I think, uh, should we get into our, uh, should we get into our ratings? Oh, I'm, I'm totally up for it. Steven, why don't you go first? Uh, you would make me go first. Um, well, because I want to, I want to know who's going to be the one that's going to attempt the half want bread i don't i don't actually have a half today um okay. so i am going to give this a um i think it's going to give it a solid seven out of ten it was just another very good episode of the bad batch kind of everything i've come to expect from it um i always laugh a little bit like when we're reading the synopsis because the synopses always come across so almost dry like mm-hmm. the batch strike a deal to take on a mission like that's so i uh, almost annoyingly vague but I no spoilers. No spoilers. Uh, yes, yes. There's an uh, yes, but yes. Uh, it's just kind of how the how this series has approached everything is the uh, none of the stories we've seen are particularly complicated. I don't think we're hitting some of the highs that we got, you know, in uh, throughout the Clone Wars or Rebels even. But they're just enjoyable episodes. They have a premise. They deliver on them. Um, and in this case, like I the uh, moochie and the brazak were just cool to watch and enjoy and uh yeah i just i give them credit for like words we're, we're at the very beginning and i feel like they've already kind of hit that that quality bar where they're just consistent mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, i i don't think we've really had like a bad bad batch episode which is awesome and actually sorry and while i'm on this train the other thing i'm really appreciating is something they have done that they fixed from the first season of Mandalorian where we we talked about you know the first season of Mandalorian has an awesome you know first couple of episodes 
And then they go to episode of the week and then they come back into the main plot and then you keep going. I've really appreciated that they've come up with like a B plot for Bad Batch, which is kind of this bounty hunter arc mm-hmm. where like, yeah, we're not progressing the main plot. We're not seeing what's happening with Crosshair, but we at least have like, we've got an interesting story that we get to watch. Right. Uh, and so I just, I really appreciate that, that approach. I think they're doing a really good job. So yeah, I'll give this episode a seven out of 10 and, uh, yeah, that's all. That's all I got. <laughs> well, I will go next. Uh, yeah, Stephen, very well said. You know, I think they're doing a, a, a great job. I wouldn't say it's, you know, it's not at this point quite must-watch television yet. You know, it's not something that I think is. Uh, it's unfortunate, but I don't think it's like grabbing. Um, uh, you know, it's not. It's not something I hear a ton of people talking about. Uh, you know, right. they, your average like people who wouldn't. Tend to watch a Star Wars, uh, Star Wars show, uh, like the Mandalorian did. You know, the Mandalorian it was it was everywhere. But that being said, it's still very enjoyable. I think they're doing a, a good job, and it's not. It's at least hitting a consistent quality bar, um, and and so I I appreciate that. Even when they're they're not progressing the main plot forward, they're they're developing the characters. They're giving us different insight in different parts of the galaxy. You know, things like that, and I, and I appreciate that. And um, also, I just have to call out the 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 lighting in this episode was fantastic, especially the first half. I thought was gorgeous. Um, so yeah, they're they're doing uh, a lot of really good work, and um, I, I I'm excited to see where they where they go, especially once they start to kind of kick things into a bit higher gear, which I'm sure will happen the next few episodes or or so. Right. So uh, yes, I'm gonna give this seven out of ten. Womp rats as well. Okay. And uh, what? Oh, Stephen, did you say what your, your womp rats are gonna do? I. How did I forget? Um. I mean, I don't know if I can should say this after the, our message from Spar, but uh, I mean, Moochie's got to eat something on his trip back to Tatooine, right? <laughs> oh boy. Oh no. <laughs> and I just, I mean, I, I didn't say it, but you know. It's a seven-day trip. They, you know, adolescent womp rats or adolescent rancors need about one a day. So, yeah, you know, no womp rats were harmed in the making of this podcast episode. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, Uh, William, what are you going to do with your womp rats? Yeah, so my my seven womp rats um, are. uh, they're just gonna hang out and be. They're actually gonna be Moochie's friends, I think. You know, Moochie Moochie has uh, needs some friends, and the ones he didn't um, uh, snack on uh, in Steven's case, uh, the other seven all become friends, and he hangs out okay. in Jabba's palace with these womp rats. Tatooine is their home planet, after all. It's true. Okay, well, I guess we're gonna make it a unanimous seven. So total that up, that's gonna be twenty-one. Um, right. 27, 37, 21. Okay, anyway. Uh, so that's seven Womp Rats. Uh, I think both of you basically have said everything that I was going to say. I I really think the episodes are solid because of the storytelling. And it, Yes, I know. Thank you. I hope they cannot hear you. Sorry, face plants in the back going seven, seven, where? Anyway, but the storytelling, I think, is going at a good pace. Um. But it is kind of one of the things, is, as we know, when it comes to the Clone Wars, there's the, the the kind of quiet episodes before everything starts hitting. And I think with this one, 
I think this is kind of like the way the storytelling is this. It's kind of a slow burn to where I think when the show takes off, it's going to take off. And they're giving a solid story. They're giving us a good background of what's going to what's going on now and setting stuff up going forward. So I'm giving the seven Womp Rats. My seven Womp Rats, well, um, they accompanied Mochi back to Tatooine. And they sadly were in Beggar's Canyon at the time when some guy was going around just shooting things and um, bragged about it. So I'm sorry for those seven Womp Rats. Poor, poor Womp Rats. Yeah, I mean, I'm telling you, these farm boys out there, they're blonde hair, they're whiny like crazy. Come on, man. Do you really have to take your T-16 out to Baker's Canyon? Oh, yes, yes. Well, uh, yeah. Thanks for thanks for listening. This was another uh, fun episode. We also appreciated the uh, the listener feedback from the concerned citizen. Yes, and, thank you. Uh, we will be back next week with our review of the sixth episode of the Bad Batch. Hard to believe we're already six episode, uh, five episodes in, uh, coming up on on six. So, thanks for listening, and we'll be back soon. May the force be with you. Always. Thank you for listening to the Ion Cannon Podcast, your source for entertainment reviews from a galaxy far, far away. For over a decade, Ion Cannon has covered every corner of the saga, from the films and animated series like The Clone Wars and Rebels, to books, comics, games, and more. If you like what you hear, please rate us in your favorite podcast client. Your review will help this show grow within the Star Wars community. We can be found at our website, ioncannoncast.com, and you can follow us through Facebook and Twitter. To email us, you can do so at contact at ioncannoncast.com. The Ion Cannon Podcast is not associated with Lucasfilm, The Walt Disney Company, or any and all of their respective trademarks or copyright holders. Any opinion expressed on the show are that of the hosts. This podcast is a production by fans, for fans, and is copyright 2018.